Well, today we celebrate the Feast of the Blessed Trinity. And our Gospel passage is taken from the very last chapter of Matthew. And it is recounted one of the very last things our Lord spoke to the Apostles before his ascension. Note the topic, the Blessed Trinity. Here we see the importance the Bible and our Lord himself give to the Trinity. And indeed it has always been believed that the Trinity is the most central mystery of the Christian religion. But it's not an easy mystery to grasp. How exactly do we understand the relations between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Three persons, and yet one God. Theologians and preachers across the ages have always struggled to illuminate this mystery by way of reference to some concrete item in our everyday experience. For example, the sun with its light, a spring with its flowing water, St. Augustine is well known for speaking about the inner workings of the human mind as a way of making the Trinity more comprehensible to us. The danger in all of this, of course, is confounding a transcendent mystery with a created reality and thereby missing the fact that whatever likeness there might be between God and his creatures, there is an infinite difference between them. Nonetheless, the creation comes from the hand of the triune God, and so it only stands to reason that somewhere in nature we would be able to find some Trinitarian fingerprints. Thus, a search for analogies in nature is not in vain. And recently, over the past probably 30 years or so, it's been quite popular to speak about the Trinity by way of reference to marriage and the family. And that is what I'd like to do today. This way we can unpack the central mystery of our faith and also speak about an everyday reality that immediately touches all of our concrete lives. So if we go back to the early chapters of the Bible, to the book of Genesis, we find there the story well known to us all, of the creation of Adam and Eve. Eve is taken from the side of Adam. Eve comes from Adam. And then Adam and Eve together, in the communion of their love, become fruitful and produce children. The first spouses and the first parents of the human race enjoy a primeval communion that by its nature is procreative and results in new life. From this image, we can lift our minds to contemplate the Holy Trinity. Just as Eve was drawn from the side of Adam, so the second person of the Trinity, the Son, from all eternity, is begotten from the Father and comes from Him. 
In this eternal generation of the Son, the Father communicates or transmits or gives to the Son all that the Father is. St. John teaches us in his first epistle that God is love. And so in the Father, giving the Son all that the Father is, the Father gives him love. And thus there is an eternal bond and communion of love between the Father and the Son. It's like that primal bond between Adam and Eve, that spousal love that they share at the beginning of human history. So the Father and the Son have this bond of love. What about the Holy Spirit, though? The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father as from a first principle. But does not our creed confess that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son as well as from the Father? Yes, because if the Father transmits to the Son all that the Father is, then the Father also transmits to the Son the Father's own status as the first principle and origin of the Holy Spirit. And so together, in their bond and communion of love, the Father and the Son from all eternity are fruitful and produce the Holy Spirit. And this brings us back again to our primeval spouses. The one flesh union between Adam and Eve, that union of spousal love, is a principle of new life by which nature is productive of new human life. Marriage and the family have Trinitarian fingerprints all over them. And they also lead us back to the Trinity. Marriage and the family are intended by God to be a school of love where each human person from cradle to grave learns about God's love. Every human person was created to enter into and share in the communion of love that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now the church is often accused of always saying no. No to things like divorce. No to contraception. No to sex outside of marriage. No to same-sex marriage. But what is often not understood is that when the church says no, she does so only because she affirms a more fundamental yes. And in the case of all that which is contrary to chastity and marriage and the family, the church says no only because she has already said yes to the vocation of every human person to share in Trinitarian love. Because she has already said yes to the family as the most basic and fundamental school of that love. Family is a road to the transcendent. When a child comes into existence as a result of spousal love, 
The mother and father sense that something has just happened whose effect exceeds its cause. They know somehow that they have participated in something that goes beyond them. The parents experience the new life of their child as something greater than, the, than what they could have been responsible for by themselves. In the personal love they share with each other and through the new person that results from that love, they are taught to look towards the Trinity. This is nature teaching us about our supernatural vocation. Think about this as well. All men and women fear their own death. It's natural. But mothers and fathers can be counted upon to fear their child's death more than their own. The parent would readily sacrifice his or her life to save the life of their child. And herein we see the Trinitarian love exemplified most perfectly in the sacrifice of our Lord himself, who gave his life for ours. Again, this is nature teaching us about our supernatural vocation to Trinitarian love. My brothers and sisters, all of you here present, I exhort you, all of us, all of us, as sons and daughters, many of us as spouses, say yes to marriage and the family. It is true that when marriage and the family are threatened, human society is threatened. It is true that the state has no right to issue legislation that is prejudicial to marriage. It is true that we are often called to oppose the forces in today's world that come against marriage, but more fundamental than any of our no's is a yes. We Christians have a positive message for the world. The love enshrined in marriage and the family is nothing less than the image of the Trinity. One man, one woman, in sickness and in health, for in hard times and in easy times, until death do us part. This is the Trinitarian love that Christ himself showed for us by dying for us on the cross. And this is the kind of love we can show to the world by our fidelity, by our commitment, by our sacrificial love in the context of marriage and the family. This is a truly beautiful and positive message that gives freedom, goodness, and joy to the world. Let us pr promote and protect marriage and the family with our votes with our words, and most importantly, with how we live our lives. Through the power of Trinitarian love that we receive in the sacrament of baptism, we do have the spiritual resources within us, if we cooperate with them, to stay committed and to be faithful to our spouses, no matter how hard it gets. We can give our children that stable, lifelong covering that is marriage, that stable, lifelong covering to which they have a natural right. Through the power of Trinitarian love, we can produce 
well-formed human persons and good Christian citizens able to, to build up society and make the world a better place. And in our old age, we can be there for younger spouses who might be having problems and who need the example that we give them and our advice. Thereby, we can help one another enter into the love of the Blessed Trinity, where together, forever with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we will know the Trinitarian love of God.